welcome to everyone this evening. And if we have any guests tonight, we welcome you as a part of this service here this evening. Those that are watching online, we welcome you. Romans chapter 5, verse number 19. Romans 5, verse number 19. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ. Where sin abounded, Grace did much more abound. The Amplified Bible says it this way, but the law came in only to expand and increase the trespass, making it more apparent and exciting opposition. But where sin increased and abounded... Grace, God's unmerited favor, has surpassed it and increased the more and super abounded. The Message Bible says all that passing laws against sin did was produce more lawbreakers. But sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. When it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. And then lastly, the passage translation says, So then the law was introduced into God's plan to bring the reality of human sinfulness out of hiding. And yet... Wherever sin increased, there was more than enough of God's grace to triumph all the more. The footnote says, Paul speaks of God's grace in verse 17 as superabundant, but then adds the prefix hooper or hyper, making grace hooper perisuio. Gotta love my Greek there. Which, nope, I won't. Which could be translated, which could be translated super hyper abundant grace. There is an endless fountain of grace that has been opened up for us in Christ. Where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. This is going to be one of the hardest titles I've ever had to use in all my years of ministry. Because my title tonight is Our Arch Rivals from High School. 
the team that was our thorn in the flesh in my last couple of years, particularly of high school, my title tonight is the name of their school. So I need some grace. And I want to preach to you tonight, greater grace. Greater grace. Father, thank you for the privilege of being here today, being here this evening. I know that many are still celebrating and honoring mothers and But we've gathered here tonight, God, and I trust that we haven't gathered tonight out of a sense of obligation or duty, but I pray, God, that there would be faith released in this place tonight. God, I trust and believe that you haven't just given me or I haven't just come up with a sermon for this service, but I trust and believe that you have put something in my heart for this service tonight. So I pray, God, that you would speak through me that you would flow through me tonight, that you would minister to your people tonight. I trust you tonight. I depend upon you for your anointing, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm going to tell you, we we have somehow got to get our perspective fixed. I said, we have somehow got to get our perspective fixed. Somehow we've got to get our eyes off of and quit focusing on all the chaos and the confusion and the turmoil and the immorality and the ungodliness and the crime and the issues that are going on in our world. That's what the world ought to be focusing on if they are of this world. But for those that are in this world but not of this world, that is not supposed to be our focus. That's not supposed to be our perspective. And I pray by the help of the Holy Ghost tonight when we leave this place, God will have at least started an altering of some of our perspectives. Maybe for some of us we could leave this place tonight with a completely different perspective. And Paul says here that where sin abounds, is anybody, do I have to convince anybody tonight that sin is abounding in our world? We, we are now at a point that we, we were, we were out to lunch this afternoon and, 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 and in a just nice little restaurant and they've got something playing. I don't know, something the WNBA draft. I don't know if it's going on or if it was about past drafts. And, and I, I heard my wife say, oops, or something like that. And we were like, what? And she said, there was, there was two guys, just, I think two guys kissing on the screen. And I, you know, and, and, Oops, in the sense of you don't know who's watching and they may be offended. And I know all of you are crusaders and all that, but some of us, you know, we like to just fly under the radar. So we'll leave that to you. But, but, but we've gone, we've gone from, we've gone from decades ago where they, they just briefly would introduce something like that in a TV show for a very split second to now you can hardly see a commercial on TV. I, I, I enjoy watching some sports here and there and, and, and you can hardly see a commercial now where there's not some kind of same sex relationship as a, as a key focus. Kind of interesting to me. There's three basic themes I've noticed in advertising over the course of the last several months. 
One of them I have absolutely no issues with. One of them I have complete issues with. The other I have issues with what it seems to be communicating. Not in essence with what's going on in the commercial. The first one that I have no issues with is there seems to be more and more... Man, I am... How in the world am I here? (laughs) The first one that I have absolutely no issues with is it seems like many commercials now have interracial couples. No problem. Obviously, there's people that have a problem with it because they're trying to send a message, but I, I don't know. Okay, no problem. The one, the other one that I, the opposite that I have absolute problem with is all the same sex stuff. Absolutely got a problem with that one. And then the one that I've got, actually I'll just go ahead and say it. May make a few people mad here this evening, but the other one I've got a little bit of an issue with because of the agenda that I think is behind it is the guys that's doing all the laundry for the house. Are you saying it's a woman's job? No, I'm not. You saying the woman ought to do the dishes? I think it ought to be a team effort. But I think there is an effort to emasculate men. Oh, boy. It's amazing the stuff you can get in trouble with in an apostolic church. So we, 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 we've come a long ways from just little glimpses of things here and there to now them being a common occurrence. Sin is abounding. And I don't think we've seen the end of it. But somehow you and I have got to make up our minds. Rather than being all bummed out and discouraged by the sin, no matter how much sin abounds, there is greater grace. And the good news I've come to declare tonight, if we're living in a day and time where sin is abounding even more, that means we're living in a day and time when God has decided there's going to be more grace than there is the abounding sin. So how about we make up our minds, we're going to get our eyes off of the abounding sin, and we're going to get our eyes on the super abounding grace. Listen to these. Some of many of you will be familiar with this passage of Scripture, but 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7, Paul says, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect in weakness and so Paul goes from begging God to taking something from begging God to take this take this thing away to now rejoicing in his infirmities 
Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Anybody want the power of Christ resting on you? Anybody want the power of Christ resting in your life? The qualification to have the power of Christ resting on you is you've got to have some weaknesses. You've got to have some infirmities. And so he says, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Listen to what, and I, I don't, actually my latest Bible software, I don't have access to this anymore, but Weist's translation says these verses this way, and we can be a little bit wordy, so just just do your best to follow along. And he has said to me, and his declaration still stands, my grace is enough for you. That, 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 that's not saying it's enough. It's not like, That, that's not a, not a negative thing. It's enough. What he's saying is, whatever you're dealing with, my grace is enough. Whatever the struggle is, my grace is enough. He says that, he said to me, and his declaration still stands, my grace is enough for you. Now watch this, watch this. For power... Grace, power, is moment by moment coming to its full energy and complete operation in the sphere of weakness. Moment by moment. Moment by moment. Meaning, you, you don't have a shed full of grace. You don't have a pantry of grace. Moment by moment, as you are needing grace, He is giving grace. Moment by moment, His grace is enough. It is sufficient. The word sufficient in the Greek means to be possessed of unfailing strength. To be strong, to suffice, to be enough. Where sin abounds. How, brother, how are we gonna, how are we gonna do what we're called to do in this world today with all that's going on? Grace. How are we going to see God do what He promised He was going to do? Grace. Because with all that's going on, there's something that is greater than all the chaos that's going on. There is greater grace. I believe you and I are facing some of the greatest challenges that mankind has ever faced. But the good news is, for the greatest challenges that we have ever faced, there is greater grace that is now available for the challenges that we are facing. My grace is enough where sin abounds. Grace, grace doth much more abound. 
Folks, the church is not in trouble. The church is not going down. The church is not going to heaven limping. The church is not going to heaven in survival mode. I said the church is not going to heaven in survival mode. Paul said, the Spirit of the Lord said through the Apostle Paul that he was coming back for a glorious church without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. We're not here to just be hanging on till the end. I realize that the righteous are scarcely saved, but we are a part of a glorious church. And no matter what's going on in the world around us, God has an answer. God has a solution. There is going to be a glorious church. Listen, listen to what listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 1 verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. You know what? I'm going to do something. This isn't to put any kind of pressure on you. But you know what? I don't think you got the name you got by accident. That doesn't mean you got to perform anything or make anything happen, but that name of yours is not an accident. God's hand is on your life. There's a hunger that you have. And if you'll just keep doing what you're doing, not having to make or produce it, you just keep doing what you're doing, there's going to be some amazing things that God's going to do through your life. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing? What, there's a, I think there's other things Paul could have said be to you. Let, let this be to you. Let that be to you. But he says grace and peace. I wonder if Paul said let grace and peace be to you because Paul knew if you can just have grace and peace. You can just have grace and peace. You're going to have enough. Grace and peace be unto you. And now watch this. Watch this. All you, all you English folks here, watch this. English scholars. Grammar people. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this now. Watch this. Blessed be the God and and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, look at that. We got the Trinity right there. How about that? Now watch this. Who, who will bless us. I know it's a holiday. And holiday, this is, this is, I, y'all have spoiled me the last year or two because I've come in here for some holiday services going, well, it's a holiday. Let's do the best we can. And we've had some blowout services. I ain't trying to be unkind, but we've had some holiday services today. <laughs> Whew. 
goodness. I, I wish somebody would just let a little bit of faith be released here tonight. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us. What, what tense is that? Past tense. I wonder if part of our problem is we're sitting around looking for God to give us stuff that He's already given us. Hath blessed us. Notice this. Not only is it not future tense, but He also says He's blessed us with how many? All spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. He has already blessed us with all spiritual blessings. I think most of us, and I said us, I think most of us would say tonight, uh, I ain't living that. Here's what I think the answer to that is, Galatians 4 and verse number 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. As long as the heir is a child, He is no different than the servant, even though he is the heir. But is under tutors and governors until the appointed time of the father. What's the appointed time of the father? I don't think that's some arbitrary date on the calendar. You know, we, we 18 seems to be one of those significant ages, at least in this country. 18. I knew, I've known some 25-year-olds that weren't mature enough to be 18-year-olds. I've known some 12-year-olds that were already acting mature enough to be 18 years old. The the appointed time of the Father, I believe the appointed time of the Father there is when you prove, I now am responsible to have what belongs to me. I I don't, I hate keys. I I know there's not going to be keys in heaven. There won't be any crime, so we won't have to lock our mansions. I hate keys. So I don't, I don't have my keys. But you know what? How long you had your license now, Nathaniel? Five years? Four or five years? Somewhere in there? Four or five years ago when Nathaniel got his learner's permit, the only way he was getting behind the steering wheel is if Myself or my wife or another trusted adult was in the 
passenger seat. That was not the appointed time. And for weeks and perhaps months, he may have been behind the wheel, but never. You say, well, you wasn't allowed to, because I don't care. I didn't care about the law. (laughs) It didn't matter if the law said he had to have an adult or not. He had to have an adult. Now, I'm willing to just throw him the key to my car and say, go do such and such. Go. Or if he comes and says, can I borrow your car, Dad? Sure. Because we've passed the appointed time. If God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings... And you and I are heirs, but we've still got somebody in the passenger seat. Whose fault is that? I'm preaching to a group of people here tonight that God has blessed you with all Spiritual has, past tense, blessed you with all spiritual blessings. But you're under tutors and governors because you've got to demonstrate, not that you earn and become worthy of it, but that you are responsible enough to have the liberty to use what you've been given. Has, past tense, blessed us with all, with all, not will bless us, has blessed us. The problem is with with grace and those blessings and all of those things, it's a use it or lose it. You exercise it and you use what God's given or you lose it. God didn't bless you and I with all spiritual blessings to put them on the shelf and admire their beauty. He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings to operate and work in the areas that He's called us to work in. And I'm come to tell you tonight, you've got greater grace than whatever the opposition you're facing. Whatever the challenge is, whatever the circumstances are, there is grace that is sufficient. It is enough for whatever the challenges you're dealing with. Moment by moment... Well, God, when you line this up and put this in order and this works out, then I'll, no. The disciples are in that boat. There's a storm going on. They look off in the distance and they see this figure walking on the water and Peter yells out, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. The Lord says, come. I have a question for you. When the Lord responded to Peter and said, come, what circumstances, what circumstances changed? Yeah. 
Somebody say it again. Nothing. The storm that was raging and causing them to be afraid in the boat was still going when the Lord said, come. If Peter would have sat there and waited until the water turned solid, he would have never gotten out of the boat. But grace is moment by moment. When he stepped out of the boat and put his foot on the water, not one second before did it become solid. It was the moment he stepped out of the boat. I believe I'm preaching to some people tonight that you've looked out into some storms and you've seen a figure coming your way and you've said, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. And the Lord has responded and said, come. And now you're going, okay, as soon as everything gets in order, I'm going to come. And soon as everything changes, I'm going to come. And the Lord is saying, I told you to come and I'm going to do it moment by moment. Moment. Moment by moment, my grace is sufficient. Do you realize, man, we, I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one here tonight, but I'm looking at all the mess going on around us, and it, it's, it's the government's fault, it's political, it's, it's politics' fault, it's this fault, it's Hollywood's fault. It's all these different people. Anybody else feel that way sometimes at least? Let me just try that again. Don't give me your spiritual answer. And I'm not, this is not a trick question. Anybody, you, you, you got all these different places and things, people you're blaming? Anybody? Do, do you know who's to blame? I actually got some, I have some very good news for you tonight. Do you know who the one to blame is if you want to blame somebody? Of course, there's another way to look at it besides blame. Do you know who the one to give responsibility to for all that's going on? I'm probably not going to get any honest answers. But how many of you thought I was about to say the devil? Uh, well, I got. Oh, thank you. I got a couple. We can. I don't know about that, brother. Right? Watch this. I'm not about to tell you. I can fully. What I ought to know this word. It was used at Timothy's graduation on um, Friday. I don't. I don't know if I can properly exegete this verse or not, but. <laughs> But listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. Isaiah 45 and 7. This is, this is amazing. The Lord is speaking. And the Lord says, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. I didn't think there was any evil in God. I told you, I can't, I'm not going to try to explain this verse away to you.
the bottom line is this. God allows light and darkness, good and evil, but it all is submitted to His purpose. We're sitting around looking at all this mess going on in our world and we're all, well, the world is out of control and what in the world's happening, this and that. No, it's not. Man. We've got some challenging crowds here today. No, it's not. It's all a part of God's plan. It all fits into God's purpose. I, I, I think, I don't think there's evil in God. I think if I was going to try to just off the top of my head give you an explanation of this here, it would be what happened with Job when, when the Lord says to Satan, Hey, hey, Satan, have you thought about my servant Job? I'm going to let you bring about some bad things in his life, but it's all working according to my plan. So watch this, Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 6. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark. Kind of feels like our world today. But it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night. But it shall come to pass that at evening time, I think we're living in evening time. I think we're living in evening time. But it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. What's the good news about that? Oh, let me tell you the good news about that. John 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light... And the light... I'm going to read it here to you from the book of Isaiah in just a moment. But the Bible says there's going to be gross darkness. There's going to be gross darkness. Not just darkness. There's going to be gross darkness. But the light shines in the darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. The light shines into the darkness and the darkness will never overpower the light. Oh, it's looking awful dark, Pastor. That's okay. There's some light. There's going to be some light. It's, 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 there's some sin that is abounding. That's okay. There's going to be some grace that's going to superabound. I, I, I've often thought, boy, for all of you parents that are having kids in this world today, that, that you're, you're, that you've got toddlers and infants and pregnant people with kids on the way. But I've often thought, oh Lord, I can't imagine trying to bring kids into this world as crazy as it is. Well, I don't think I'm going to think that way anymore. 
Because you may bring, be bringing kids into a world that seems to be crazier than it's ever been. But in a crazy world, there's some super abounding grace that before God ever formed that child in a womb, God already decided, I've got grace that is sufficient. It doesn't matter what the darkness is going to be. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are going to be. I've got grace that's going to be enough the light cannot overpower the darkness I guess there may be some of you scientific folks in here that know a circumstance or situation where it's not the case but to my knowledge anytime you ever put light against darkness light wins I don't know of any other uh, 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 a battle where the, the 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 winner is predetermined. So how about fire and water? Tell the people in California that when those wildfires get to blazing, we were driving through an area this beginning of this week, and my wife started looking up on uh, Google, and I forget how many thousands. Of acres just in 2020 had been destroyed from a fire. Water, that fire gets going enough. Fire may win. Wherever there's darkness. Let's just put it in a daily practical way at least. I don't know, maybe there's some black hole somewhere way out there where I don't know. All I know is this, every time I walk into a dark room, I have absolute confidence if I can just get to the light switch. When I turn the light on, light wins. It can be an absolutely pitch black room, but if I can just turn the light on, light's going to win. I don't reach for the switch every time, wondering who's going to win this time. I don't reach for the, 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 the switch to turn on the light with anxiety going, I wonder if light's going to overcome again. I need to know absolute confidence. If I can just get the light on. How about this? What did Jesus say? I preached it in the last, I think last fall, I think it was. You are the light. You are the light of the world. That means wherever you go, the darkness cannot overpower your light. Cannot. I'm not saying that means everywhere you go, everybody just falls at your feet. But in the spiritual dimension. Everywhere you go, light is overpowering darkness. I'm not here tonight to preach to you or me to get arrogant and cocky, but it sure would be nice if we'd get a little more confidence. What would happen if you started walking into the workplace with the realization and the confidence? You know what? I may not be the boss, I may not be the owner, but I'm the most powerful person in the room. 
I've got an authority that nobody else in this room has. I've got something on the inside of me that nobody else in this room may have. And I may not see everything change, but I'm going to have the confidence that I am light. And wherever I go, light is overpowering the darkness. Oh, excuse me, Isaiah 60 and verse number 1. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, here it is, the darkness shall cover the earth. And not just darkness, but gross darkness the people. Is, is, again, is there anybody that would debate with me that that describes our that that doesn't describe our gross darkness gross darkness the stuff that is not just being allowed but that's being endorsed and promoted The fact that there's now even conversations being had in some levels of government that pedophilia needs to be considered not to be illegal. I think that's gross darkness. And the problem again, maybe you, maybe you all got, maybe I just came to preach to myself tonight. The problem is I've found myself the last several years more and more focusing on the darkness and the gross darkness. But that's not what we are supposed to be focusing on. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and His glory shall be seen upon thee, and the Gentiles, the unbelievers, shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Lift up thine eyes round about, and see all they gather themselves together. They come to thee, thy son shall come from far, and thy daughters shall be nursed at thy side. Greater grace than whatever the opposition is you and I are facing. Greater. It's greater. It's greater. Greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. And I've said this before, I'm going to say it again tonight. God gives you grace for your circumstances. God gives you grace for your calling, for your gifting. I don't know, I, I don't know if this, maybe some of you have the same struggle as this. I, I don't know if it's from the perspective of a, my calling as a pastor and what all that entails, or I don't know if it's just a normal part of a child of God. I don't, I don't know. I don't think I've ever really shared this, at least in any kind of a public setting, but when, I, when, when, when we travel, I have this, this very challenging time, especially when we're in any kind of a large city. There's all... I find myself pretty constantly thinking about is the masses 
of souls that need to be reached. I'm not, I'm not here to try to impress you or make me sound something or whatever. I, and again, maybe all of you have the same issue. I, I enjoy the opportunity to travel, but I, I, I literally have this constant intern to the point I, I sometimes I struggle enjoying where I'm at. My God, how in the world? We got... All the week we were spending a little bit of time in San Francisco this weekend. Man, the masses, the masses. Some of those driving some of the highways, and you get a glimpse out over the, some valleys, and they're just—I mean—they're just covered with houses. Brother Middleton, I—I I don't know. I haven't had a chance to run this by anybody yet, and. You're somebody I trust, so I'll let you help me judge this. But I, I was, I was, uh, I think it was Wednesday. We were driving along. It was just my wife and I, and this was going on inside. I'm kind of, Lord, what, what's the deal? Here's what I felt like. I felt like this was my answer. I haven't given you the grace for this city. I didn't call you to this city. We usually go to New York City at least one time a year. Seems to be an average fun place to go, enjoyable place. Man, that's that's the city that never sleeps. The masses of humanity and skyscraper after skyscraper and houses and residences and people. I wasn't called there. I'm going to say it this way, and please don't take it in a negative way, but it's just kind of the way it came to me. That's not my problem. I don't mean that to sound unkind. or un- That's not my problem. This is where I've been called. This is where I... Get grace. That's why in the context of the body, you need to find your place. And if you're fulfilling the place that God has called you, it's not your job to try to figure out, how can I become what they are? You've got sufficient grace. For whatever it is God has called you for. Whatever challenges and obstacles that you are going to face. God has grace that is sufficient for you. It's not your job. It's not your job to figure out how to do somebody else's job. It's your job to let there be greater grace for what you're going through. For what you're called to do. And there is grace that is sufficient. Let the darkness get darker. Let the world get worse. There's going to be light.
it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I don't know how he's going to do it. You and I have been blessed to hear Bishop preach about, teach about, not just hype us up, but give us biblical foundation for an end time worldwide harvest. I, I, I go back to what I just said a moment. I drive through cities like San Francisco and New York, and I'm like, God, I know you don't lie. But I sure don't know how you're going to do this. Let me just insert something else here real quick. This is the other thing I've, I've wrestled with. Places like that, other places, there's, they, they say that one of them, and I don't know what exactly they believe or whatever, but they say one of the fastest growing churches in the world is, is in Iran or Iraq. It's all done underground, figuratively speaking. They don't gather together like we do. They can't gather together. And I, I hear people here wanting to duplicate that. Last time I checked, we're not in Iraq. Last time I checked, we aren't in Iran. Iran, however you're supposed to say it. I was thinking about that the other day. Brother Barr driving through San Francisco. I mean, if I, on a, on a, on a, the right time of day, 20 minutes of, 25 minutes of driving, you can drive, go get on Route 50, you can drive 35, 40 miles in 25 minutes. I can. You, you, you drive, I mean, we, we were driving around San Francisco in the middle of the day the other day. You drive 25, 30 minutes, you're lucky if you get four or five blocks. So you know what? What we do here wouldn't work there. But last time I checked, we aren't in San Francisco. So we do what God has instructed us to do. We're not trying to imitate China. We're not trying to imitate New York City. We've been given grace to do what God has called us to do the way God has called us to do it. However everybody else does it, not my problem, and we're not their problem. We've got grace to do what God has called us and provided us the ability to do. Where sin abounds. Grace super. How, how, how did that... How did the Passion Translation say it? Not the Greek part, the English part. Super, hyper, abundant. That's kind of like, I shouldn't say this, but that's kind of like to infinity and beyond. It's about the only TV reference you'll ever hear me use in the pulpit. Hyper, super, Abundant. I, I got a question. I wonder, I wonder how many people here tonight, if you simply, if the, if, if, 
if one thing changed this evening, and if only one thing changed, but if the thing that changed for you tonight was you left here with an absolute confidence that whatever you're facing and whatever you're going to face, there is hyper, super, abundant grace. Hyper, super, abundant grace. Grace that is enough. Anybody ever been? Seems like something happens more so when you're younger, single, whatever. But you know, you're out to eat with some folks, and all of a sudden, you're like, oh man. I don't I don't have any money. You're standing in line looking at what you want to eat, realizing I don't have any money. And somebody around you realizes you don't have any money. And they respond and they say, I got you covered. Whatever you need. I got it. Hyper, super, abundant grace. I don't want to scare any of these precious young folks from off from sitting on the front row, but I'd love it if God would just heal your heart, and He can. Can I tell you tonight, if God never heals your heart, He's got hyper, super, or super hyper? Super hyper. Super hyper abundant grace. But the problem is this. It's moment by moment. We all want a 401k of grace and CDs of grace and savings accounts of grace. Moment by moment. Super hyper or hyper super abundant. Super hyper abundant grace. Where sin abounds, grace, grace doth much more abound. Whatever obstacle, whatever challenge, whatever chaos, whatever confusion, whatever turmoil that there may be in our world and may even come to even greater degrees, there's always greater grace. Do you realize I've preached at times basically what I'm about to say and usually it's much more of a hyped up moment than this, but that's that's an okay thing and it's an appropriate thing. 
Do you, do you understand? Do we truly believe and understand that you and I are not here tonight? And I mean in the big picture. We are not living at this point in time as the leftovers. I wonder, I'm not, I'm not asking for an outward response on this because most of us, I think if we'd be truly honest, I don't think we can say, oh yes, I, I, we may be trying to believe that. God knew before He ever said, let there be light, what the condition of the world was going to be at the end. And before he ever did any of that, he decided that Declan, I got it right tonight. That's Paul, this is Declan, I got it. Although I didn't call him Paul because of that Paul. He didn't decide, well, you know, I, I'm going to create Declan Trader, so let me throw him in at the end. God intentionally, strategically decided that at the end, sin was going to be abounding. But I got, I'm going to have a Declan, not a, not a Paul as in the Apostle Paul. Not a, not a Peter, not a James, not a John. I'm, I called the wrong sister Jocelyn this morning, so I'll probably call you the wrong Middleton name. Julian, right? Okay. Bad enough getting old and losing your memory, and then the Middletons had to name all their kids with J's. God decided. Check this out. Let's get a little more personal. God decided that in 2023, Julian was going to be 15, 14, 15. That Julian was going to be 15 with his prime in front of him rather than, no disrespect, rather than Glenn. That's an amazing man. That's, that's a power. And I mean, he's your grandfather too. How cool is that? But his, I know he's still trying to be in his prime like all of us older folks, but his, his prime is not in front of him. It's yours is. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Sarah. By faith, Moses. And others that could be named. They did all these great things. But these all died. In faith. Not having received the promises. And God decided that they were not complete without us. Again, I'm not here tonight preaching 
trying to get you to be arrogant, cocky, proud. I'm not trying to get us to have a fleshly attitude that we're better than all the people in the Bible. Obviously, that's not the point. But the point is, we're not a bunch of leftovers. And in fact, based on what I believe I've read from the Scripture to you tonight, you and I actually have some greater grace than they did. Because God knew what we would be facing in our world. And so uh, definitely not the leftovers. But then beyond that, He saved some stuff for us. I don't know how. Truth of the matter is, even though I've got grace, I believe, for being called to this area and this region, I still drive down the streets here. Brother Bray, I was... I was in Pasadena a couple weeks ago, I forget what I was, I was doing a couple different things. And man, I'm driving through some areas. I'm like, God have mercy. There are thousands and thousands of people that we've never touched. And I know we're not the only people in the county with truth. I know that. But I believe we have a responsibility for this county. I'm not here tonight telling you I got all the answers and I know exactly the way He's going to do it. I think there's still some things He's going to unveil to us of how to do what He's called us to do. But here's what I know. He's going to do it. Because while there may be gross darkness, there's going to be light that penetrates the darkness. Why don't you stand if you would, please? I want, I want to give a, I want to give an invitation. I thought I might have you out here a little bit earlier than normal, but I don't think that's really happening. So, Paul says in Romans twelve verse one, "I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service." Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. That word transformed there in, in the Greek is metaphor, metamorphosis. It's like the transformation from a caterpillar to a butterfly. So he says, be transformed, be changed. How? By the renewing of your mind. You see, I think most of the time we've got our, we've got our, our heart set on the fact that for things to change and things to be okay in my life, my circumstances have to change. No. No. Whether your circumstances ever change or not, if you get a change of mind. So I want to I give an invitation here. We don't, we don't have to drag this out all night. If you, if you really feel to kneel, you can kneel, but I'm not even asking that. But... I want to give an invitation to those that are willing to just make your way down to this altar for a few moments for, for essentially this purpose. purpose. God, give me a, a change of perspective. Or God, give me the right perspective. Rather than continuing to be so overwhelmed and depressed and discouraged by the darkness and the sin that is abounding and all the turmoil and issues and the stuff the junk, the problems that are going on in our world, rather than that being my perspective and what I'm focusing on. God, give me a change of perspective that no matter how much all of that is abounding, 
there is greater grace. There is a super, hyper, abundant amount of grace. Again, He's not giving it all to you in advance. You're not getting stocked up on grace in advance. It's moment by moment. That grace, that power, that strength, that ability is moment by moment. Some of you are trying to figure out some things in your future. You're trying to figure out some problems that are going on and what's the solution and how you're going to get through it. He's not giving you grace for tomorrow. You're not getting grace for next week, next month, next year. Grace is moment by moment. Grace is moment by moment. God, I pray tonight that you would give us the right perspective. That you would help us, God, to focus on the right things. Set our minds, set our hearts on greater grace. Whatever's going on, there's grace that is greater. Whatever challenges there are, whatever challenges that may arise in the future, there's grace that's greater. Moment by moment, moment by moment, moment by moment. Light. Somehow, some way, God, the promise of your word is the light is going to shine into the darkness and the darkness will never overtake, overpower the light. In the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that you would let faith be released in this place, that we would mix your word with faith. Lord, we are a group of people tonight that according to your word... We're not here just leftovers. We're not here as the the rejects. We're here because you have intentionally placed us in the kingdom for such a time as this. And you have blessed us. Not that you will, but you have blessed us with all spiritual blessings. I, I pray like the child that is the heir needs to mature and grow and develop to be able to experience all that belongs to Him, that You would help us to reach the level of maturity in our lives so that we can move beyond being an heir who is still like a servant. But we can be an heir with access to all that belongs to us. You promised. You promised, Lord, that in the last days, and you knew what the last days would be like, nothing God has caught you by surprise, nothing's going on in our world that you didn't see coming.
And yet you promised in the last days you were going to pour out your spirit. Touch our minds tonight. Help us to be transformed, changed tonight by a renewing of our minds. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word just to rest upon his promise just to know thus saith the Lord Jesus Jesus how I trust him how I proved him more and more Jesus Jesus Precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word just to rest upon his promise just to know thus saith the Lord Jesus Jesus how I trust Him, how I proved Him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more I'm so glad 
I've learned to trust Him. Precious Jesus, Savior, friend. And I know that Thou art with me, will be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him. How I proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I prove Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, Oh, for grace to trust Him more. I'm so glad I've learned to trust Him. Precious Jesus, Savior, friend. And I know that Thou art with me, will be with me to the end. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him. How I proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust Him more. One more time. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, Oh, for grace to trust Him more. Father, I pray that the words I believe You've given me to speak tonight would not just be a sermon, would not just be words spoken in a moment, but they would be seed 
the seed of your word. I pray that every heart in this place tonight has been and will be good ground for that seed to grow and to produce in each life what it is you intend. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Some of you, I think, are still praying. If you feel to continue, you're welcome to. If you need to go or want to go, welcome to do that as well.